0: about the similarities, they're known as parallel passages is what we call this. And so if you're curious what those are, here's what they are. This is Second uh, Peter, verse chapter two, verses 1 through 28 are strikingly similar to Jude verses 4 through 16. So not the whole book of Jude, and not the whole book of Second Peter, but those specifically. So Jude 4 through16 and 2 Peter 2, 1 through 18. And here are the things that they have in common. Uh, Both of them deal with false teachers and their characteristics using similar language. Uh, Both talk about the judgment of false teachers, uh, comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Uh, They talk about the denunciation of immorality. That's a big topic for both of these letters. Um, Abuse of spiritual authority is another theme that's carried on. And then this is a really interesting one, is what's called angelology, which is the study of angels.
1: Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us once again this week. I'm here with Pastor Nick Cady, Pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado, and we are in a new series, a very short series, but a very powerful book, The Book of Jude, and it's called, our series is called Steadfast in Faith, and uh, this book is just jam-packed. It's only got one chapter, but it is jam-packed with um, things that uh, the Lord wants to show us, and we're going to try and do it in the in the space of two, uh, two sermons, and our first sermon was a faith worth... Fighting for, looking at the first 13 verses of Judah. if you missed that on Sunday uh, and you weren't able to be with us here in person or online, you can go over to whitefieldschurch.com and you can download it right there. And of course, it's on our app as well. And download the app. There's a lot of. Uh, Uh, Great value to it. You can know when our services are going live if you're not with us. Also, you can find our services recorded there. And any other activities that are happening here at the church, you can become involved and get information updates there as well. But you can also find the sermon on uh, YouTube and Facebook, any of your favorite streaming services and podcast apps as well. Apple, Apple Music and Google Play and any of those. And, and, you know, interacting with this content in any way really helps just kind of boost it up in the ratings. And uh, when people are, you know, typing into Google or whatever, they're looking for answers to their questions, you know, about faith and and. Contending for the faith and the importance of what we believe And all these kind of things that this will pop up at the top of that list And we'll be able to provide them with Christ-centered and gospel-centered answers to their questions And so we find, our, find ourselves, and we're going to kind of look at a, maybe what's considered something controversial Maybe dive a little into the weeds about Jude uh, today And and that is that um, the book of Jude and the book of Second Peter have a lot of similarities. And, you know, it has been said that, you know, Peter wrote Jude, Jude wrote Peter, which came first, which came you know, there's been some contention out there among scholars about, you know, were they copying from each other? Did they know each other, and all these kind of things? So we're going to go and dive a little bit into that. And so, you you had some kind of statistics as to kind of the comparisons between these two yeah, books. Yeah. So
0: just an overview for our listeners uh, about the similarities. They're known as parallel passages, is what we call this. And so, if you're curious what those are, here's what they are. This is Second uh, Peter, verse chapter two, verses one through twenty-eight are strikingly similar to Jude, verses 4 through 16. So not the whole book of Jude, and not the whole book of Second Peter, but those specifically. So Jude 4 through 16 and 2 Peter 2, 1 through 18. And here are the things that they have in common. Uh, Both of them deal with false teachers and their characteristics using similar language. Uh, Both talk about the judgment of false teachers, uh, comparing them to Sodom and Gomorrah, for example. Uh, They talk about the denunciation of immorality. That's a big topic for both of these letters. Um, Abuse of spiritual authority. Is another theme that's carried on. And then this is a really interesting one is what's called angelology, which is the study of angels. And there's an interesting phrase that's used, it's almost identical in both books, about these false teachers and what they were doing and how they blaspheme holy ones. In other words, they speak against angelic beings. And it would seem that it's referring to demonic beings, like fallen angels. Um, but either way, it's talking about that they do this and that it's wrong. Um, Yeah, so those are the similarities. There's similarities in the big themes, but there's also similarities in the exact words that are used between the two books, which, as you mentioned, has led some people to wonder, was somebody, you know, looking over at somebody else's desk while he was writing and copying. And that was really good. I'm going to use that too. Uh, and then they both turned in their papers. They did their homework together and then turned yeah. their <laughs> papers in. And then they both ended up in the Bible. And now we're looking at them and being like, hey, did you guys copy off each other? Mm-hmm. So so what happened?
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting uh, when you kind of dive into this. Um, you know, there are kind of two prevailing thoughts you know out there that i that i came across one being that um so peter and jude knew each other you kind of get a reference to this from uh, first corinthians paul says that that cephas peter and the lord's brothers were traveling together so you know it's very very you know I'm, i'm sure that they kind of they knew each other i mean they have the Lord in common. I mean, Jude is Jesus' brother. Um, and so I'm sure that they had, they worked together, they, they, they were on mission together. That's, you know, we, that's not a far stretch. And some say that Peter asked Jude to write Second Peter, basically.
0: That's an assumption, right? Tra- that's a complete assumption. Guessing.
1: That's a complete guess, and, yeah. and that's a complete guess. And they kind of take that from the fact that—and then what happens is that Jude is writing Second Peter, and then, and then he's like—he starts to write the book of Jude. And we get that, that right there. He says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, Second Peter, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all to live for, for the saints, Jude. And so that's kind of the the idea. And then when he was done with this letter, he goes back and finishes Second Peter. As I was saying, <laughs> as I was saying, you know. And then you kind of get the same of the same thoughts. Of course, he's in this, you know, and you know maybe him and Peter worked on it together. We don't know. We don't know. So that's kind of one, you know. There's a group that kind of be- believes or trying to come to an explanation. How do we, you know, harmonize? You know, that's kind of. A word you hear in theological circles, harmonizing passages that, well, did it happen then? Or did it happen? Were there three people? or were there six people? You know, they kind of harmonizing. the other, the other one is that um, and I can't remember, uh,
0: the Jude essentially read Second Peter and was like, that was good. Yeah, I'm going to copy that for. part." Well, of there's
1: letter. that one. okay, so there must be a third one. The other one is that they were drawing from the same source. One directly, one indirectly. Yeah. Um, that Jude, because Jude quotes from the book of Enoch, which is an apocryphal book. And um, he quotes from that in verse 14 and 15. You know, really in our Bibles, all that we know about Enoch is that he walked with the Lord and then God took him, basically. And, but then in in Jude, he kind of gives us some more details. He was right. a seventh from Adam. He, he uh, I can't remember the, the exact passage or what he said, but... But there's some direct, when you compare Jude to Enoch, there's some like direct references to Enoch. So it it seems that he was pulling from that as a text of some kind. And that Peter, on the other hand, maybe was pulling from it indirectly, like more from memory instead of maybe reading it directly. Or maybe he had read Jude, that's another thing that's brought up, which came first. Was Jude written first and Peter read Jude and said, hey, I like what you said, let me put it in my letter. And, you know, there's some of that that can go around as well, that, you know, we have comparisons between Eph- Ephesians and Colossians, that you have two groups of people. Why not? Why weren't these things important for both groups? Why mm-hmm. not have and include similar material?
0: Yeah, a- another example of this would be like Matthew's gospel talks about the Sermon on the Mount, and then Luke's gospel talks about the Sermon Jesus gave on a flat place, which is the plain. And one of the ways that people try to harmonize them is that they'll say, oh, well, uh, on the Mount of Olives, there's this flat part, and it must have been there. But then you read the text of what Matthew's sermon says, and there are some kind of important differences between what he says in Luke's gospel. And then so it leads to the question, did Matthew or Luke remember it incorrectly? And one of them is accurate, and one of them is not? And the answer, actually, is is quite simple. It's that when it says that Jesus gave the sermon on a flat place, he didn't give it on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, It's actually a different time that he preached a different sermon, but the content of that sermon was the same, for the most part, as the content of the sermon that he preached on the Sermon on the Mount, because it says there in uh, several of the Gospels, actually, that Jesus traveled throughout all of Galilee preaching and teaching in every town, village, synagogue, and these things. And so what it comes down to is essentially what you have with the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain, is they're both different versions of a common content that Jesus would teach, but of course he's teaching it without notes as he's going around. Now somebody like Matthew probably is taking notes and actually probably is taking notes pretty accurately of what he said. And Luke's drawing a source of people who took notes at the time, and probably very accurate. In other words, Matthew and, Mark, or Matthew and Luke didn't remember these things incorrectly, um, and we don't have to say, it was on a mountain but on a flat place on the mountain. No, no. There are two different occasions when Jesus preached similar content, and the reason is because, you know, think about it. If you're traveling around Galilee, wouldn't the people in every village essentially need to hear those same things that the people in the last village heard from? I mean, just, it wasn't necessarily that Jesus was preaching new content to every group. If he did, then those, those people would be missing out on what the other people had heard. And so we can say the same thing with Ephesians and Colossians. What the Ephesians needed to hear, in some part, is also what the Colossians needed to hear. But there were other things they needed to hear, and there were other things the Ephesians needed to hear. But there were certain things which were the same. And because it's coming from the same source, in this case, Paul the Apostle, he's using similar wording. Now, the question is, why the similar wording with Jude and Peter? Here's here's kind of my take on it, and I know this is a, this is a conservative and traditional viewpoint, but I think it holds up Just logically, actually. Okay, you mentioned 1 Corinthians 16, where it says that Cephas, Peter, was with Jesus' brothers, which is James and 1 Corinthians 6. Oh, 1 Corinthians 6. James, Jude, and others, um, they knew each other. That's the point. Now, when you think about when 2 Peter was written and when Jude were written, they were written around the same time. This would be the late 60s A.D., Okay, so they're written around the same time, which means that by that time, the church is facing different things. They're both also what we call general epistles, which mean that they're not written to an individual church, but they're written to the church at large. And so Peter, he's writing his letters to Christians spread out throughout the Roman Empire. That's how he addresses his first letter. Um, Then Jude, writing his letter to Christians in general, And both of them are addressing an issue that was going on in churches in general in the Roman Empire. And that actually makes a lot of sense because they're both dealing with the same issue, which is there were people coming into the church who were preaching a message of licentiousness, that grace gives you a license to sin. And if you get down to it, if John in 1 John, he's also writing about the exact same thing that there are people coming into the church who are saying that because Jesus died for your sins, because God will forgive you, now you can sin with impunity. That's exactly what John's writing about to his readers, which he's writing, again, in general. So he's writing a general epistle to people throughout the Roman Empire at that same time. And what that tells us is that this was a pressing issue in the church at that time. Now, you might say, well, why do we see not as much from Paul on this topic of licentiousness? It makes a lot of sense, actually, because Paul is on the pioneering front, and Paul's preaching first to the Jew, then to the Greek, right? So he's got a lot of Jewish converts in his church. And as we see with Galatians, those Jewish converts, they tend towards legalism.
1: And he was being followed around by these pack of Judaizers everywhere he went. (laughs) So yeah, you can tell his message was going to be against those. And then you can see,
0: you get a generation down the line, And now the church is dealing with a lot more Gentile converts bringing with them their Gentile ways of thinking, which lends itself more towards licentiousness, which is also, I mean, you could say Paul did address this in his letter to Corinthians. First Corinthians deals a lot with the topic of licentiousness as opposed to legalism. And so I I actually don't really see a big conflict here. I, I could see maybe they were in communication with each other as they wrote these letters, and probably they were they were addressing very similar things. And a group of people that was quite widespread at that point in the church that was lending itself towards these kinds of teachings, these kind of people who were coming in, promoting these kinds of things. I don't see a conflict there. I think it's. It doesn't take anything away from their letters if they were in communication with each other. And, um, you know, I, I think about this, that there are people that I talk to, and when we write things, we probably use similar phrases because we've been talking about this book of the Bible or we've been talking about the Lord or this thing, and it shapes our language, right, the language that we use. So personally, I don't see any any conflict here at all. and uh, In fact, I don't think... Uh, many scholars see any conflict. The question is did they copy which one copied from which? I don't think either necessitates one of them c- having copied from each other. Um, also, they deal with very different things, right? This is only part of their books. Mm-hmm. So yeah
1: yeah and and the the messages they they harmonize with each other. They're not teaching a different the yeah. gospel. I always think about the book of Romans. People are like, "Well, who wrote the book of Romans?" I was like, "Paul wrote the book of Romans." Until you go to chapter 16 and it says, "I Tertius who wrote this letter greet you in the <laughs> Lord." And you're like, "Wait a second. Who wrote the book of Romans?" Well, you know when you're looking at 1st and 2nd Peter, you know, I mean 1st and 2nd Timothy, we have he wrote those from Ephesus or not second maybe not 2nd Timothy, but Ephesus, he probably wrote them in a group and he he talks about, you know, he we always get the picture of Paul in a dark corner with a little candle yeah. writing out these True. books. And he probably had a scribe that wrote it for him because he couldn't see. Right, And that was very common in those days. People that wrote letters, they were paid to write letters. And so it, it was very, some people get caught up a little bit in that. and uh, But what do you think maybe is, a, I think you touched a little bit on that, um, but what is maybe an overarching principle that would kind of, bring all of this together, you know, about Scripture as a whole that we could think about that kind of helps us kind of unravel some of this, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think here's the thing. It says, actually, in Second Peter, how Scripture was written, that the Holy Spirit moved upon people who wrote things. He used their unique personalities. He used the situations that they were in, and yet made sure that his message was communicated to through them in a way that would speak to people at all times and in all places. And what that means is that we need the book of Jude and we need the book of 2 Peter because their similarity reinforces this important message and the differences emphasize other things that are also important, not just for them at that time. But through the Holy Spirit, they're important to us in our time as well.
1: Yeah, totally. And I think 2 Timothy 3.16 is another overarching. All Scripture, all Scripture is, is um, profitable for teaching, for approved, for corrections. God breathed. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of another overarching principle. I also like Peter. I think he's, I'm not sure, if it's 2 Peter or 1 Peter, he says, I don't mind repeating these things to you. You know, like repetition is a part of Scripture. Repetition is a part of Hebrew Poetry, it's a a part of Hebrew culture uh, to have things repeated. when things are repeated, it's important for us to take note. Paul says, you know, rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. He's not just being, you know, that is something very cultural, very Hebrew to say. And again, hey, this is important. And so whenever we, anytime we see something repeated in scripture, I think it's like, hey, we need to, this is something important. Licentiousness is something to stay away from you know, and both Peter and Jude brought these topics up. And so
0: I think that's, I think that's really important uh, point because I think that even in our modern, in our modern church, there is, you know, modern culture or whatever. Um, Grace is such a popular topic and it rightly should be. It's been a focus of our movement of churches and it's a focus of mine and, and always will be. And yet, it's important to make sure we understand what grace means and what it doesn't mean, right? Like, God loves you, and therefore, he actually doesn't just want to save you from the penalty of sin. He wants to save you from the presence of sin because sin is destructive, and he loves you, and he wants you to be happy. And so why would he want you to continue in the same behaviors from which he saved you? Yeah, it just makes sense. And one of the things I I love that came out of Sunday's message was that idea that you can deny the gospel both by a legalistic view that denies the accomplishment of Jesus, but you can also deny the gospel by denying the lordship of Jesus over your life. And we want to embrace Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, right? We don't want one or the other. We want both.
1: And isn't that what uh, John 1 says, grace and truth? Uh, Jesus came as Grace and truth, those two things cannot be separated. John chapter 4, the God is looking for those that worship in spirit and in truth. It's the, the, the combination of us living in those two in that kind of it's, it's not even a tension per se, it's that no. they work together, yeah. You know, so it's very important. So, yeah, no, great, great things to look at, and just kind of a homework assignment for all of you out there. You know, Jude is only one chapter, but it is, it is yeah. full. It it, it it requires, you know, he's writing to a people and he's he's throwing things out there that are, there's a lot of baggage, a lot of stuff attached to it. And I really love um, in verse, um, where is it? Uh, I can't, what happened there? Oh, there, verse 11. For they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. So your homework assignment is to look at that verse and can figure out where all that came from because there's a lot packed right in there and a lot of lessons to be learned. And and Pastor Nick touched a little bit on it Sunday morning, but that's just a great Bible study right there as he pulls from all that Old Testament history and makes New Testament application. And that's just something great for you to to dive into. And next time you see us, we'll be looking at the final verses of, of Jude. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again. Rate and review, thumbs up, all that kind of stuff. And we play. Have a blessed, blessed week. God bless.